0: This is Neil Funk, and you're listening to Fred on the Chicago Bullseye. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another exciting edition of the Chicago Bullseye. We have a special episode today. With the great wordsmith Darnell Mayberry on the line. Darnell, how are you doing?
1: I'm good, Fred. How are you holding up with all this madness?
0: It, it's insanity, isn't it? I just cannot believe we're here, where an NBA season could be over due to a pandemic. But uh, these are strange times. But the good news is, for the most part, the family's healthy. I hope the same is true with you and yours.
1: Yeah, they are, and, and I appreciate that. Um, and, you know, my my thoughts go out to all the uh, first responders, of course, and and the teachers. You know, the the teachers who have to put up with our kids and and do it so graciously and lovingly, you know, I just appreciate everyone's efforts and and, and hopefully we can all make it through this thing soon.
0: Yeah, I agree. And you know what's helping them to get us through is uh, the beloved Bull with good news uh, seemingly every week. A lot to talk about. I can't. I'm so excited to get into this with you. Uh, before we get into the last dance, let's talk about the team as is. And I'd like to get into a couple of big topics that a lot of people have been emailing me about. The questions for today for you are. Let's start out with Jim Boylan, uh, and there's few a there's few parts of this question. What do you estimate the chances are for Jim Boylan to be back? I think it would be a complete disaster and a nightmare if uh, you know we, we do all these changes, and Jim Boylan, who to me is the greatest sin of Gar Pax, is still leading this team. Is it 1%, 10%, 50%? What do you feel uh, he did well in his time as coach, and what do you feel he did poorly?
1: Well, I think the percentage depends on if we're talking you know this season, if it continues, and when versus next season. If we're talking next season, I, I don't think it's very high. Um, you know, if we're talking this season, the, the NBA continuing this regular season, I could see them bringing him back and giving him a chance to close out the season, uh, if nothing else. So, um, you know, from, from that standpoint, I think Jim Boylan's got a good shot to remain. If they finish out this regular season, I can't see them going into an offseason uh, with Jim Boylan and into next season for sure with him.
0: Let's assume he's gone then. So I agree with you next year I think he's going to be he's going to be gone and I agree if there's a, a few games left I, I won't be a t- complete disaster if he is still coaching the team. I can understand why they would do that. But it, let's say he, he is gone and looking back on his, his time here what did you feel that he did well and what did you feel that he did poorly?
1: <laughs> well some of the things that he did well I mean I, I do agree with him in some of the, the sales jobs that he's doing in terms of instilling a little bit of an identity. I, I disagree to the extent to which he believes he instilled it, uh, but a little bit of a philosophy on both ends. Uh, you know, the three-point shooting, I don't think Jim Boylan wanted to go out there and, and have this team chuck up as many threes as they did. Um, you know, I think he was listening to his his coaches. I think he was listening to his analytics department. Uh, If you want to call it that. And, you know, I think he was listening to the way the game, the the trend of the NBA was going. So uh, I think there's something to be said for a coach that actually takes in other people's opinions and and considerations and and implies or implements them in in the best ways possible. So um, he did that defensively. You got to give him credit for uh, some of the ways that the, the team was able to be a disruptive team on that end and trapping the ball screens. And we know how it really backfired. I mean, that, that part got a lot of attention all season, but it also led to them leading the league in steals and, and creating points off turnovers uh, a good amount of the time. So those things, you know, and he also, I think listened to uh, Roy Rogers coming in as, as sort of the, the resident defensive guy, if you will. And I think he deserves credit for that. So, um, there are certain things that I think Jim Boylan did a, a good job of. I think in, overall, in general, I think he did a good job of trying to stay on these guys and get stress the importance of uh, how hard it is they work, you know, being on time, just little habits, little things to instill discipline. Um, so, so I do give him credit for things like that. Uh, the things that he did poorly, I don't think we have enough time to get into on your podcast, right? <laughs> uh, well,
0: let me throw out one. So a recent report from, I think, Joe Colley stated some players defended him to the new executive team while others ripped him. Uh, I, I I can't believe there was anybody who defended him besides his son. I think, you know, his son is in love with them and obviously he, he, it's a very positive father-son relationship. Could I get your opinion on who you think those players are that – ripped him?
1: Oh, I mean, the same guys who were um, sending, lobbing, uh, you know, not-so-veiled shots through the media. I mean, we saw that Young was unhappy with his minutes. We saw Denzel Valentine say, or be quoted as saying, you know, whatever happens, happens. He's our coach for now. It is what it is. You know, yeah. things like that. Zach Levine. Uh, Zach, Zach Levine had numerous encounters, you know, going back to the 18-19 season when Jimbo first got promoted. So, uh, you know, Larry Markinen even has some, some quotes where he talked about not wanting to be just a perimeter shooter. And, and so these guys have been on the record saying, uh, you know, things about how they've not been happy and voices, some, some displeasures. Um, you know, who, who supported him? That's, I mean, your guess would be as good as mine on that. I mean,
0: so the I, just,
1: I remember vividly in, in uh, San Francisco – uh, when when they lost to the Warriors and Jim Boylan said there's no shame in losing, and I go up to Wendell Carter and he's like, no, there's shame in this. So, I mean, even a guy like Wendell, you would think, um, you know, he, he's kind of a good soldier, takes the high road, but I, I just can't see much support even coming from that corner. So I don't know who it would have been. And then everyone else, I mean, they're just kind of like Kobe White's a rookie. Daniel Gafford's a rookie. Like, they don't have much say. They don't have the experience to have any say. So – Uh, Who supported him? Your guess is as good as mine.
0: Great stuff. And I I will say, as an aside, what he did to Denzel Valentine I thought was the most egregious handling of a player I've ever seen. I thought what he did this year was appalling, and I think I sensed in some of your writing that you were wondering why this guy didn't get more play. Do you agree?
1: Well, I mean, I understood the defensive component. I mean, Denzel Valentine obviously struggles as an individual defender. As a team defender, you know, some coaches have raved about him. But individually, he struggles. And when I saw that preseason game in Indiana, I always go back to that. That was, to me, the breaking point for Jim Boylan saying, we can't play this guy. But then when he goes out there and he's obviously, and I know you've made this argument, Fred, but he's you know, one of the best three-point shooters on the team, one of the best playmakers on the team, one of the best passers, facilitators, uh, you know, going down the line, one of the yeah. best rebounders. Um, you know and you're struggling in all of these areas it just wasn't a good look to have that guy who could give you so many different things for, with his versatility sit on the bench and the same thing with daniel gafford when you're struggling uh with rebounding and, and rim protection and you've got a guy who's an incredible shot blocker on your bench and then all of a sudden you come in and he's excelling uh in certain ways not in all ways Uh, But giving you at least that rim protection that you need, it just looked worse than we all knew it was to have those guys sitting on the bench.
0: Agreed. Could you rank the core four for me in terms of who do you feel is the most integral to turning this around? And that core four, of course, is Levine, Kobe White, Wendell Carter Jr., and Laurie Markinen. And knowing what you do about the new management team, who do you feel is the most likely to move? So let's start out with your personal ranking. Of the core four in terms of most integral to turning this around
1: Ooh, I really want to say Kobe number one, but, uh, I might still go Zach because he's still the most talented uh, regardless of all his flaws or I, don't, I shouldn't say all of his flaws I should say all of his well-documented flaws uh, that people love to pick apart he's still the most talented player on this team and then I'd, so I'd say either Kobe or Zach, then I'd go Wendell, then I'd go Larry. But I tell you what, Fred, I you know, I was working on something for either this week or next week about just something real simple about East Guy's best game. Yeah. And Wendell Carter didn't have like a standout game. And it surprised me going back, you know, obviously he got hurt and he wasn't available for all however many games they played, sixty five or whatever it is. But You know, I just couldn't, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but I couldn't recall a standout game that he had where he left his imprint. So as much as, you know, I'm a believer in Wendell and he's got a bright future, at some point you'd like to see him put his stamp on the game. And there just wasn't that, it was few and far between if he did. uh, And I can't recall a single game where I said, okay, Wendell Carter went out there and won them this game.
0: Well, I agree with that 100% offensively, but defensively to me, he it's like him and Dunn are so far ahead of everyone else in this team. It's, it's almost laughable you know, on the defensive end. I really think he's an excellent rim defender and, and really valuable. I think that shows in his on-off numbers. But I, I concur offensively it was a massive disappointment this year. I can't think of one game, you're right, where he was just stellar. That you know, And, and we expected more. But I think a coaching change will help that. I, he's not being used properly at all.
1: Yeah, uh, maybe I need to go back and look at some some games closer from him defensively to jog my memory. But, you know, I, I'm actually speaking to both ends. I mean, he had moments, yes. But I'm talking about going out. And, and you'd know better better than me. But I remember watching from afar, Joaquin Noah, could actually do things that would win you a game Absolutely. defensively, and I'm waiting to see that out of Wendell. As talented as we know him to be, it's hard for me to put him above Kobe. Uh, and we've seen Kobe go out there and win games with his offense, and particularly above above Zach. So. Uh, that's what I need to see out of Wendell going into
0: year three. I agree 100%, but wouldn't you concur that he's not being utilized? I watched this guy a ton at Duke, inter- yeah. Wendell Carter Jr. He's a facilitator. He's not a low-post player. I still remember his first game back. What did the Bulls do? First offensive play down, they throw it to him in the low post. And I'm like, that's not playing to his strength. He's a excellent passer. He's more of a high post type of player that you could do pick and roll off of. That he's more of a you know a facilitator. That's his strength, and he wasn't being utilized in that fashion by this coaching staff. It was maddening to me. Do you? Concur? Yeah, I remember
1: around the All Star break or a little bit before, maybe um, it might have been January sometime. I asked him about that specifically, and he kind of gave me a sly laugh. <laughs> it was like, yeah, I. I I think I'm a good passer, too. I think I can be a facilitator. I think I can operate in the high-low, too. But it wasn't given those opportunities. And, again, going back to him being a good soldier, you know, taking the high road or at least trying to most of the time, he wasn't going to come out and just throw anyone under the bus. But you could tell in that look that he gave me, I'm capable of doing more.
0: Yes. And, you know, Darnell, that's a, that's a big thing with players is if they're not getting touches on the offensive end – it's just natural and sometimes it affects them on the other end too. So absolutely, yeah, and we saw that. I remember with Oklahoma City. I mean, everybody would be wondering why would oh gosh, who was it that was the the big guy? We I, we'd always wonder why Kendrick he Perkins. Getting, Kendrick Perkins, exactly. We'd be getting how touches. could you forget?
1: He's a social media savant now.
0: <laughs> Every time I read that guy, I'm getting angry lately. I don't understand what's going on with him. Is he a good guy? By the way, you covered him, right?
1: Yeah, he actually wrote the forward to my little Thunder book that oh I my did God, to part that's of that right. 100, 100, 100 things Thunder. Fans should know series, or whatever. So, yes, yes. Yeah, he, he was he was good, man. He uh, he was good to cover. He was good in the locker room, and uh, unfortunately for the Thunder, toward the end, you know, his kind of his body had, had betrayed him, and he wasn't what he once was. But he helped them win a lot of games, man. He he did he did do that.
0: Out of those four players we talked about, though, who do you think this new management team is going to likely move? Are they going to keep them all? Which I think would be the right decision is one more year of evaluation.
1: I think, I mean, and, and I got to take them at their word. I mean, when they introduced Mark Eversley, Arturis Karnaschovas came out and said that he's not in a rush to trade anyone. He's not in a rush to fire anyone, although I kind of take that with a grain of salt when it comes to Jim Boylan. But uh, as far as the players, I take him at his word because those four guys, I mean, you're calling them the core four for a reason. They're all talented in their own right and you'd be crazy to just give up on them as soon as you take the keys to the wheel <clears throat> take the keys to the car and you know like if he comes in and trades Larry marketing and laurie marketing goes on to become you know this this consistent 20 and 10 guy for the sacramento kings then that looks silly so yes. um you know just because of zach's experience you know, the, the book is kind of out on him, even though he had a, a really good season. And he continues to get better. And he's still young. I think he's, what, 25? So yep. uh, he's still got two or three years of, of really um, strong improvement that he could make. And I think it'd be unwise to, to, to trade him too soon, too. So I do take Arturis at his word, and I don't think he's in a rush to trade any of these guys.
0: The only thing, I, I know you're a big Levine backer. And I think you're, you're by far his biggest proponent in the media. I would argue that. You know, it just seems like you, you make a lot of good points on why he should be beloved or uh, get more respect from the fans. And I agree with a lot what you write. But my question is, he's done with two years of this deal that's a bargain, and we all agree with that. I, I got a question whether he's worth a max because that's what he's going to get at the end of four years. Do you have any reservations about giving him a max deal? After this contract is up,
1: I mean, I wouldn't. But there's a lot of guys walking around with max deals that I don't. You know, I wouldn't have given them a max deal. And and where did the notion come from that Zach Levine's going to get a max deal? This is the first time, honestly, Fred. This is the first I've ever heard anyone talk about Zach Levine and a max deal.
0: Really? Well, I mean, yeah. Wiggins has a max deal. I can point out all these guys that I I don't think are better than Zach Levine, who have max deals. Like, I, I think he's going to get it. I, I like he's one of to me one of the 30 best players in the NBA and if you're one of the 30 best players and there's only 30 team, you know x amount of teams there's going to be guys that are getting max deals that probably aren't really necessarily worth it but somebody's going to give it to him i would be shocked if he doesn't you, you yeah, don't but feel who, he deserves it i mean it?
1: who's going to give it to him the Knicks. the Bulls aren't, aren't going to give it to him. Ah, and, I don't know I mean, about you never that. know what the Knicks are going to do. But, I mean, <laughs> you bring up a good point there. But, the, I the mean, Kings? he's not worth a max in Chicago. We've seen that.
0: I mean, when, when he signed that four-year deal, let's, let's go back to that. He was coming off a, uh, you know, not a great year at all. Right? So, I mean, that was, uh, that was, from what I recall, when he signed that deal, that was after he played, you know, 30 or so games. For the most part, pretty poorly. He's really, I think, improved to the point now where I'd have, if I was his agent, I'd absolutely demand a max deal, and I think he, I think he'll get it from some team. So it sounds like what you're telling me is, if you're the Chicago Bulls, I would not give him a max deal.
1: Absolutely not, Um, and that's not. I mean, and this kind of goes back to the notion that I'm Zach Levine's biggest proponent. I don't really sound like it right (laughs) now. I can, I can, I can hear the way this sounds, and I'm not trying to knock Zach Levine here. I mean. Uh, and, and look, if someone wants to give it to him, again, more power to him. I mean, you're, you're worth what someone's willing to pay you. That's that old adage. But um, just in terms of building a champion, like they wouldn't give Jimmy Butler the max. Jimmy Butler could Super at least man. get him to, get him to the to the first round. Yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, why would they have any business giving Zach Levine the max based on his track record of success or lack thereof?
0: Yeah, a lot depends on what happens next year, right? If they're a playoff team and he's leading the team in scoring. Then absolutely. Now situation. again, I just said
1: he's got a good three to four years of, of tremendous growth, an opportunity at least there, and if he if he taps into that, if he reaches that potential, absolutely. But he's got to go out there and show it next season.
0: Well, let's go on to another player that is a uh, is a pretty big dividing line in Bulls Nation, and that's Chris Dunn, player I love, um, you know, but he's going into restricted free agency here. What contract dollar amount would you feel comfortable matching for Chris Dunn, and do you feel he's going to be a part of the future?
1: Uh, what's that qualifying offer? That's the only reason I'd retain Chris Dunn, if he played on the qualifying offer. Wow. I I, I mean, there's no – in my eyes, there's no point to keeping Chris Dunn. And that's all – I mean, listen, I, I was a big Chris Dunn proponent too, um, but I just think his deficiencies on offense – are so glaring and so much of a weakness for this team that you can't retain him in good conscience and say, we're going to leave you out there and let you be a liability on one end. Yeah, I just don't see him as being worth it to this team. If they had other pieces around, okay, great. I think Chris Dunn's a tremendous young player who can get better. Um, in terms of what he does, he's, he's, he's tremendous. But for this team... For where they are, I don't see any point of retaining him.
0: As a, doesn't every team though that makes the playoffs don't they need a perimeter defender of that quality to stick the best offensive players in this league? And we're talking about a guy here who in one week guarded, you know, Trey Young and pretty much stopped him. Jimmy Butler really, you know, curtailed his offensive performance. I saw him do that to, you know, Paul George. The guy's defensive versatility and ability on the defensive end is is. There's nobody on this team I, I would say is even close.
1: Yeah, but the problem is now you're, you're you're talking about how much money is that worth to you. And this isn't a playoff team. This is a 22-win team. Yeah. So if you're a 35, 38, 40-win team, okay, we're talking maybe a different level that you're in in your journey. But, you know, the Bulls aren't at that stage right now. And how much is it worth them to them to to keep a guy who is a one-trick pony? He is damn good at that one trick. Don't get me wrong. This isn't to take anything away from him on that end. But we saw the way defenses get to play Chris Dunn. We saw the way the offense sputters when Chris Dunn's out there. And that's not a product. That's not all Chris Dunn's fault. Don't get me wrong. Um, and maybe a lot depends on, you know, who the next coach is and what they can come in here and, and get out of him. Um, and putting you talked about putting Wendell in better positions. Maybe they need a guy like that. But at some point, you can't continue to have guys, you can't continue to layer your roster with guys who, you know, have to have certain things done for them. Yeah. Only two or three guys need to have certain things done for, done for them, and, and then everybody else needs to be able to play a role.
0: All good points. What has been your initial impressions of the new management team, uh, AK-47s and Mark Eversley?
1: Are you calling them ak 47 Oh,
0: I I, I call him AK for the sevens. You know my big seven mantra. Oh, for the seven. For the sevens. <laughs> oh, AK boy. for the seven. I think that's pretty good. Come on, Darnell, you got to hand it to me. I thought that was pretty good. You know my seven. Yeah.
1: <laughs> hey man, it's your thing. You got to ride it till the wheels fall off. I, I can respect it. I don't. Um. What was the question about him? Is he good for for well,
0: what? What's your initial impression of this team? The you know AK and Mark Eversley. I,
1: my initial impressions are based on the conversations i've had about them with other people and um are based largely on that i mean we've obviously talked to them twice now on a conference call mark eversley once or tourists twice um and they they said all the right things on both conference calls um but everyone else raves about both men and you know people in the organization people for other, other organizations, people outside of the NBA who are connected uh, for various reasons. Um, you know, everyone seems to rave about what's happening in Chicago with this new management team. So, um, you know, I'm going to take everyone at their word and say that there's a reason people are raving about this new regime. Uh, but what I always say is they got to get in there and get the job done. You know, that this, this honeymoon phase is pretty much up. Once this offseason starts, you know, it's going to be what have you done and how can you build this team into a winner, and they got to get it done. So they got to prove that. They got to show that they can do it. Um, and so we're going to start finding out. You know, this coaching search, I'm with you. If they don't go out and get a, a, a coach that at least can inspire some confidence, forget the fan base for a second, but within that locker room, then what is all of this for? Yeah. Um, you, you know, and so you start there, and then you start – to, to move into the offseason with the draft and free agency and trades and that sort of thing. And the thing I love about this the most, Fred, is that we get to see this thing from the ground up. Like we get to analyze these guys not based on something from 15, 16 years ago, but, you know, everything that they're doing now, and, and it's a fresh start. So I, I love it from that standpoint.
0: Thank you for listening to part one of the interview with the great Darnell Mayberry of The Athletic. Part 2 will be available shortly on the Bulls HQ pod. Darnell and I talk about his article promoting Tibbs. We get into a last dance discussion, more boiling talk. So go over to Bulls HQ and subscribe and listen. As an aside, I've been working on a Bulls-themed musical album, although the last dance is coming to an end. The first dance with my incredible songs is at hand. I decided to release the first single, Kirk Heinrich. Probably sometime next week after we go into a downtime due to the end of the last dance. My goal is to provide a single to you every one to two weeks. The first being my epic Kirk Heinrich song. I hope you enjoy it. Stay safe. Have a great weekend. Email me at chicagobullseye at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at CBE Fred. We have some great guests lined up for the next few weeks. So uh, keep on coming to chicagobullseye.com to look for the next and exciting Bulls news. Godspeed, my friends. Stay safe, and I'll talk to you soon.